0: All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, April 19th. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it
1: live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, there was a pause there. There was, see, there was a pause there because this is uh, a, a unusual show today. Unusual in a good way. Sometimes unusual is very bad. Usually it is. But today's unusual in a good way because we have a special guest. We have a third host today, a third B.O. boy, and this is someone whose life has been leading to this moment. His life has been leading towards being a third B.O. boy. Our guest is Brandon Gray, the creator of Box Office Emoji, one of the most important pieces of box office history there's ever been. Brandon, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank
2: you so much for having me.
1: Um, So, Brandon... We're going to have you on today to talk, of course, about Box Office Mojo, your love of box office, everything that's led you to this moment, of course, to talk about the state of the box office industry now, but people demand it. They love the way we start every episode of BO Boys by plowing through the top five. So Clayton, could you do some plowing for us? This is going to be one of my fastest plows ever. Okay. So hold on
0: to your hats. Number 1 for the third week in a row we've got Godzilla versus Kong made 7.8 million dollars. Number 2, nobody made 2.5 million dollars. It's down only 6% and it's at 19 million. Now, I'm going to go back real fast. Godzilla versus Kong it's at 80. So this is this is looking good for Kong. Number 3, The Unholy made 2 million dollars. It's got a QM of three weeks, 9.5. Number four, Raya the Last Dragon made $1.9 million. It is now standing at $37.6 million in its seventh week. And then number five, we got Tom and Jerry made $1 million. And it's standing at $42.5 million in its eighth weekend that was a plow. That's how you do it.
1: That's a great plow. And now, Brandon, I, I've got to tell you something that uh, really shows the state of the box office tracking website industry right now. We had to use a site called TheNumbers.com in order to find those box office totals. We now use TheNumbers.com. Brandon, I mean... That's got our now. You're the creative of box office mojo, but you don't have anything to do with its current state. Is that right? Can you can you tell us about how much it hurts your heart to see the Bo Boys have to use the numbers instead of box office mojo?
2: Yes, I can't express how strongly I feel about that. I mean, that is a, a terrible fall from grace. <laughs> Uh, but it's
1: not it has nothing to do with you you nothing if if you were Uh, still in charge of box office mojo we would be using box office mojo right now oh uh, and our fans would love it
2: i yeah i safe to say i mean uh, not to be too boisterous but yes safe to say I, i believe that would be the case uh but i must take responsibility because i am the one who bestowed it upon who currently owns it so i i i'm at i'm at fault in that respect
1: so so. you're at some fault but but we it's the, the you know you got paid for it am i right we don't have to put a number on it even but but you got money for making that decision right correct correct so then so then you're honestly in the eyes of the bo boys you're not at fault because you had to take the money so there's no fault there
0: yeah, box office is all about money. True. So it makes sense to us.
1: Yeah. True. So we're go- we're going to talk about uh the history of box office mojo with you and the sale and all that. But first, let's let's talk about this top 5. So Brandon, I'll I'll toss it to you. What do you, you know, we've been talking for weeks about what a movie star Kong is is how this is just uh shows again that he's at the top of his game. You know, what do you make of first Godzilla versus Kong and how it's been doing since it opened a few weeks ago.
2: Wow, uh I mean obviously the numbers speak for themselves. Biggest movie of the pandemic. Uh it's doing fine, especially considering it's on HBO Max. I mean you've you've heard the whole spiel I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but uh yeah, it's 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 looking pretty good. Uh I wouldn't expect that much based on how Godzilla did, the King of the Monsters. Uh but here you got King Kong as you guys have so uh, eloquently stated, he is the star of this movie, coming off Skong, uh, Kong Skull Island, which was such a a, a big hit and, and a well liked movie. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, they're 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 really showing the way here. But you know, at the end of the day, though, I, I don't think this is like maybe as earth shattering as maybe other people do. Uh, it's part mm-hmm. of it is the pent up demand, and it had a great trailer, very easy concept, just that 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 sense of release of having of coming mm-hmm. out of this pandemic and going back to the movie theaters especially with that with that trailer just that wham into godzilla and then you know and then them, all, all the various shots i mean it, it was uh, you know it's 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 a solid number but you know it's godzilla versus king kong mm-hmm. it it should be doing this kind of business or even more i mean this is these are the two titans of monsterdom and, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's, well, I'm a little alarmed by the drop-offs. It, I can't,
1: I can't, I can't. <laughs> you are alarmed by the drop-offs. Oh, oh. Okay. Cause I, I, I think Clayton, you and I underplayed the drop-off, but to hear Brandon be alarmed by the drop-off now I'm, I'm alarmed now. Well,
2: you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it, we're not getting that, uh, that sense of, uh, people coming back maybe as the theaters are opening. Or the uh, the uh, capacities or, or the uh, attendance capacity uh, I'm fumbling my words here, but you know the 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 uh, the capacity as that opens up. Maybe mm-hmm. that's not accelerating as much as we like. Uh, obviously, it's doing what? the the big businesses on the premium screens, the IMAXs, the Dolbys. I mean, those are probably the hardest to get seats for. Uh, but you've got complete open uh, call for the regular, you know, uh, digit uh, di- right. regular theaters. Uh, So I, I, uh, you know,
1: the screens that are not much bigger than televisions, that's where the problem is. Right. That is
2: the problem. Yes.
1: Because we could watch it on our television Mm -hmm. and I'll leave my television to go watch it on IMAX, but I might not leave my television to go watch it on a movie theater screen that is as big as a television.
2: Correct. Correct. Yeah. I don't want to feel like a broken record because you guys have, you know, covered this significantly in the past but uh, I, I'm not uh you know I'm not I'm not super jazzed by these numbers uh you see kind of like a general baseline of box office especially with the small drops for the uh the the lower movies like Nobody and The Unholy, Raya, Tom and Jerry etc. Those are very uh those are somewhat encouraging I mean there's you know there's a pulse but it's not uh you know we're not we're not mm-hmm. we're not booming here uh you know Right, right. I guess, uh, I mean, not to go off on a tangent, but in terms of box office history, I mean, as you guys know, this pandemic, this, uh, the pandemic plus streaming, this is like the first real existential crisis for the movie theater business. I mean, literally existential because people think if they go to the movies that they will die. So (laughs) that was the longest case for him. So we're going to have to take some time to get past that, uh, that, that impression of the box office. So uh uh you know uh so this is a good sign uh but it's it's too early to tell but cuz you still have the streaming problem which is when you have the same movie available to you at home at the same time <laughs> as it is in theaters right. where at home in the case of HBO Max it's actually cheaper to see it at home uh not in the case of Raya but uh in, certainly in the case of uh, Godzilla versus Kong uh, so that that's always a concern. Uh, the movies have never had to face that. Even when you had TV, the the advent of TV and uh, other competing formats, VHS, DVD, etc., you didn't have the same exact movie playing on your TV as it was on the movie theater. So
1: right, so right. that that's like a, it would be showing The Wizard of Oz, which came, had come out like thirty years ago. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so
2: so yes, this one two punch is is such an existential threat to the theatrical movie going. Uh, business that uh, you know we're we're gonna have to see more data, I and mean, we're gonna you know we're gonna have some real tests this summer. So
1: right,
0: so yeah, and i i have a, i have a theory, and I don't know how you feel about this, Brendan, but thinking about the HBO Max Day and Date situation, I'm starting to believe that people who watch movies at home and people who watch movies at the theaters are different types of people. Right, where there it may be that people are going to, it's not between the two. It's I stay home and stream, that's how I watch movies, or I'm a theater goer. I know I can probably speak for all of us that we are theater goers. That's the thing that we're excited about. That's where we want to be. That's the optimal way to see a film. I think there's a generation of, of people, maybe younger than us, but maybe same age, maybe older. It, 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 they're just a different breed. Mm-hmm. Who are, I want to be at home, I don't want to do the theater thing, and I want to be able to see these things and be in that cultural conversation. And I don't know how much that Venn diagram actually overlaps. What is your thought on that? Now, obviously, we don't have statistics Mm, enough because it's only been a a, a year or a few months, really, where we've had this. So I just get this feeling, though. What is your take on that?
2: Well, that's an excellent point uh clayton uh yeah even before the pandemic most people did not go to the movie theaters regularly uh, but they certainly were watching tv and streaming and whatnot uh it's just that when you have the same movie in the theater playing on hbo max you're still there's still going to be a sizable venn crossover in the venn diagram uh, I, I just don't see how you can't have that i mean maybe if hbo max was a bigger streamer it, it it would be a bigger problem maybe that's partly why they can sort of get away with it with kong here uh because not everyone is aware that they have hbo max because usually if you have an at&t plan you probably have hbo max or 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 if you have it on cable then you definitely have hbo max uh on your on your uh, devices uh but yeah th- but that, that is an excellent point moving forward that's that's the question of moving forward, because the problem, even before the pandemic, is that theatrical has been kind of discounted for so long. I mean, even when I was actively uh, tracking this with Box Office Mojo, it, it was uh, quite uh, consternating to see how how the industry was denigrating box office and a theatrical window. Um, Whether it was how the exhibitors had terrible screens, you know, where you're not enough light going through the through the projector, bad sound, except you know, the only time the only way to get good sound would be on an IMAX or a Dolby screen, basically, and then you're paying a lot more money to see the movie, Uh, and then shortening the windows, you know, sometimes just a few months between theatrical and even debuting on premium cable, Uh, so yeah, it's the Theatrical experience has been run down for so long that this pandemic has just kind of accelerated things. And the problem is, is I, I, you know, I don't think it's coming from the consumers. It's coming from the industry, because if you pulled consumers even 10, 5 years ago, I mean, they're not saying, hey, give me these movies right now for the same price. I mean, that's all coming from the industry. And they kind of push this and they kind of back themselves into a corner because they eventually, you know, cratered the DVD market. And uh, and now they're sort of cratering the uh, box office market, but
1: I, I so Brandon, when when you were uh, you know fully actively in the in the box office game, covering everything on Box Office Mojo, and you started to see this denigration of the theatrical experience, mm-hmm. where do you put the fault? Because here on the Bo Boys, we 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 love counting the money and we love putting the fault where the fault is. <laughs> Was <laughs> it? Out of the, um, was it sort of out of laziness or maliciousness on the theater owners? Were the studios, um, starting to to look at uh theatrical as like a golden goose that they could strangle and strangle, but the goose would never die, like. Who, where do you blame for putting theatrical in a place where the pandemic could just like fully destroy it, you know, where it's so weak heading into the pandemic?
2: Wow, great question. Yeah, I, it's probably a combination of a lot of factors, especially what, what you were saying there. Um, uh, You know, it, it's a hard business. The exhibition business is, is a hard business with it has all this overhead uh, and they try to make up for it in concessions. Uh, Oftentimes the two sides distribution and exhibition would be at loggerheads (laughs) over over the splits but then distributors have a good argument you know they're spending all this money to advertise sometimes more than to make the movie (laughs) and they only and then they have to wait uh several months uh and then restart that ad campaign over again so uh so it, it makes sense from their perspective to have a shortened window so that they can still capitalize on the advertising that that they already spent because that, that's been the, the one of the real killers uh especially for right. smaller movies and where 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 that ad budget is huge compared to the movie itself.
1: Uh so that that do you think do you think that that problem could have been solved if the studios got a taste of the popcorn money? <laughs> you know like at Box Office Mojo, you uh covered the theatrical grosses from ticket sales, but there is no accounting for how much popcorn these movies are selling. You know? So if studios over the years had gotten a piece of the popcorn, it could have got them to be better partners on keeping these theaters in good shape and working with the, the theaters to maximize the theatrical experience. Well, uh. like, you know, Disney puts these giant movies out. They don't get a piece of the popcorn. <laughs> so they're going to be looking to shrink the window, move it to streamers. You know, I, I, I that that's something I just want to throw out there is if they had all done a better job of splitting the popcorn money, they could have been better partners.
2: It could be. It could be. Uh, yeah. Just that, or at least splitting the ticket price more favorably or, or not charging outrageous, uh, rental fees, uh, for, for lesser titles, uh, or older titles. I mean, just think how, what a thriving catalog, uh, we could have had like older movies re-release without much, uh, marketing push. I mean, that, I mean, why is that so strangled? I mean, maybe moving forward, that can be something that can be revived, but uh, yeah, the, but that is an excellent, uh, point about the popcorn. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure that the exhibitors would have been quick to share that given their the paucity of the ticket price that they're getting.
1: Uh but would you would you have uh worked that into the layout of box office mojo had those numbers been available to you? Would you have worked the popcorn grosses into the the, the stats? That's
2: a great idea, Pat. I mean that yeah, definitely. I mean if we could if moving forward, I think this whole thing is actually an opportunity to reshape the whole notion of, of tracking the industry. Uh, and I think that would be a great thing to add the actual concessions, like which movie made the most in popcorn, you know, I mean, I imagine, yes. yeah. I mean, Raya is number four here, but I imagine that would be at least number two if you count concessions. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as an example, so that, that would be a great value add for, for the business. Uh, totally. Um, but, you know, also, I think on the exhibitor side, they, they, I don't know, they didn't really invest their money in the right ways either. I mean, mm-hmm. stadium seating was a revelation. Okay, coming in, in the 90s and into the early aughts, that was a revelation. But then, you know, they spent all the money on the seats. I mean, if you, I, I, mean I heard this from the, the reporting on AMC. They just, they, they blew their wad on the seating, all these reclining leather luxury seatings. And the screen suffered, the projectors suffered, the sound suffered, the actual service suffered. And, um, you know, the, the only good thing they did, inspired by Movie Pass, was the A-list, where you subscribe and, and can see any number of, of titles. And uh, you know, moving forward, that would be the way cause to make it more economical. For the consumer, although I don't know how they divvy that up with with the studios, how how that exactly reflects in the box, box office when I'm spending twenty five dollars a month, but seeing 12 movies and some of them are the mm-hmm. IMAX, you know, which is like a twenty dollar ticket on its own. So uh, uh, but but yeah, I mean, it, if they if they had focused on the actual experience of movie going not so much this i mean I, I think it was a waste of money to retrofit those seats i'm going to be honest with you i mean you know i okay i live in california i wear shorts uh leather seats bare skin on leather seats it's not a good combination during a movie it's a great point so yeah that's a great point yeah yeah interesting
1: yeah <laughs> that i never thought of how much money they spent on seats and then they didn't take into account people who wear shorts everywhere
2: yeah, and, and and this is California. I mean, you know, you th- you would think, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that that that's an example. I, I mean, I uh, yeah. The, but the biggest sticking point, even stickier than the seats, is the uh, lack of light going through that projector. I mean, the only way to get enough light going through the projector is if you go to the Dolby or the IMAX showing. So it's not just that the uh, sm- smaller theaters are smaller; it's just it's also the presentation is terrible, and uh, the theatrical industry also had the rise of home theater in the past decade or so I mean it's so cheap to buy a 4k giant screen TV mm-hmm. and a good sound system it's very that's what's also made it hard to compete and they that's where they should have been right. competing is having a premium experience no matter what auditorium you're in and uh and I you know I, I it really drove home for me when I joined the amCA list and I actually uh, went all around the LA area to to various testing out different AMC's, and um, even in the heart of Hollywood, which is Burbank, but you know, <laughs> at the AMC Burbank, which is one of the big ones, even there they didn't put enough light through the projector. So unless it was the IMAX wow. or the Dolby, and uh, it was it, yeah, it's it, it's uh, so that yeah that that that's one of the problems, but. I guess they assume that regular people don't care, but i I, I think mm-hmm. I think at the very least subconsciously they do and and that's contributing to their decision to stay home and watch it on their giant screen TV, which is still basically uh, which is basically a superior experience unless you're seeing the movie in IMAX or Dolby.
1: Wow, so that's that is an interesting take that basically the movie theater industry invested so much in Barka loungers and it is like you said, it's almost looking down at the audience because they just looked at the movie audience and they said, these are all a bunch of earth dogs from the stacks. What do they like? Uh They like Barka loungers. Their house is just filled with Barka loungers. Husband and wife sitting side by side at Barka loungers. We'll throw those in the movie theater and they'll be happy. Right. But what you're saying, Brandon, the movie goer is smarter than that they are uh, uh more discerning than that and they don't just want Barca loungers they want high quality projection high quality sound
0: and high quality they're, they're yeah. treating a, they're treating them like a bunch of archie bunkers mm-hmm. <laughs> correct right. and and that's and that's not you can't if you if you cater to archie bunkers you're going to
1: get archie bunkers right and guess what archie bunker is staying home because archie bunker already has a Barka lounger so yeah. you're not getting Archie Bunk- Listen, I-, I can't say that I've watched much All in the Family. It's not for me. Before my time, Seinfeld guy, all that. But I never caught an episode of All in the Family where Archie mentioned, oh, I just got back from the movies. I'm on my way, way to the movies. He wasn't a movie guy. So you're not going to get the Archie Bunker no matter how many Barca loungers you install AMC.
0: He did not see beside Adventure. That's for sure.
1: Yes. Yes. No. He was just home, uh, you know, yelling at the newspaper and mm-hmm. and struggling to play the piano.
2: Yeah. Not. Um, not much at the cinemas for him in the seventies.
1: No. 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 So, you know, I guess back to looking at this top five. Anything else stick out? I mean, I know Clayton, you wanted to talk about. You wanted to put uh, a little light on, and this is something Brandon did. Uh, call out when we were looking at this top five the hold of nobody as like a nice little bright spot it looks like in this yeah top it, five.
0: it's it's only down six percent now over the weekend i was tracking this because we have we have talked about on the previous episodes that you know it got in its second weekend it got crushed by godzilla versus kong which we were upset about but we understood why and we said it's the second Third, fourth weeks that are going to make nobody, whether this gets another, whether it gets a sequel, whether it can be looked at as a hit. And at one point it was down only 2%, but down 6% in a fourth weekend is very good for this movie. I know we're only looking at 2.5 million, but it's already at 19. We were talking about 20 as the sweet spot where it really can put itself over those Liam Neeson type of films. And I think this is showing that this is a movie that had good word of mouth. People wanted to go to the theaters to see it. And I think that is a big, big factor. Because, like we said with big movies, you need to have repeat moviegoers. Or people who are saying, you need to go, or we'll go together. And I feel like nobody is that type of movie.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Brandon, you've obviously been covering box office for... For a long, long time. Do you are you at a point where you're starting to look at nobody as a hit? Or where where do you see it needing to get hmm. to where we could qualify this as a hit, Bob Odenkirk as a as a action star on the rise? Hmm. You know, we're not there yet, but like is there a benchmark we want to put on here? You know, I feel like thirty million dollars hitting that is like is relative blockbuster territory for what this movie is. um. But, but wh- yeah, where, where do you see this on the spectrum of hit action movies?
2: Uh, I mean, it, given the circumstances, this is quite solid. I mean, this is probably going to be more than half of what the first John Wick did. So, you uh, know this is, I mean, when I saw the trailer, I haven't seen the movie, but when I saw the trailer, it just, it reminded me of, of John Wick, but with, Bob Odenkirk <laughs> instead of Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, I mean you're right. Thirty million. I mean that that is perfectly fine for this picture. Uh, you know, one of the things, and this is one of the things I wish had been maintained on Box Office Mojo, and and I wish other people would be doing this is is to try to track the uh, attendance or the, the the amount of people seeing the movies. Uh, that was all. I mean. It was a struggle back then because everyone is just so focused on the money. But uh, for, from my perspective, and from a fan's perspective, I always thought that the the amount of people seeing the movie was more interesting than the the, the actual dollars. And uh, but I could only reflect the dollars because that's all that accurate data mm-hmm. we had. So we did some. Mm-hmm. We did. We had. We made up for that by having an adjuster tool for adjusting for inflation or adjusting for estimated tickets. I see that that feature is no longer
1: (laughs) on the... It it makes it so hard to do historical comparisons Mm -hmm. without having your inflation tool, which again, I mean, I I think, Clayton, are you ready to go into a little bit of the history of Box Office Mojo? Or is there anything else first that you want to talk about in this top five? We'll get back to the news items, but I'm just dying to talk about Box Office Mojo. Yeah, I
0: think that's the important thing here because this is you know, this is kind of a boring week uh weekend at the box off. We've got Mortal Kombat coming up next weekend, which we will talk about at the end. But I do think our wannabe O boys, our wannabe O girls, our wannabe O people. people want to hear this story of an OGBO boy.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: The and one how who he made changed- it all
1: possible. Because yeah,
0: this this wouldn't be possible without, because we started out, when we started doing this show, we were using Box Office Mojo.
1: Yeah, which was still close to the original form. Even though you had sold it at that point, mm-hmm. it was still closer to your original layout than obviously it is now, where it's it's been fully IMDb'd. Mm. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Brandon, when and why did you start Box Office Mojo? You know, talk about what your original love for box office was. And I guess before you started box office mojo, what was the landscape of just a box office fan being able to find out these numbers? What was that like? And then how did you change that?
2: Whoa, Uh, that's going way back. Uh, Wow. Well, uh, first access was simply a top 10 list in the newspaper
1: that's mm-hmm. that's probably dating me but God, we we all remember that we all remember those monday mornings exactly Just and then run into the paper
2: exactly and then you're like uh, you see wait this movie fell out of the top 10 but it's still in theaters and and what's going on with this movie that's outside the top 10 and 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 so so that uh as a as a, a movie fan that uh, inspired my curiosity uh you know especially you know like i mean uh, one example is you know the movie glory uh it was still in the theater i just saw it it's you know pretty crowded auditorium but then you know it's not even in the top 10 at the box office from for i'm not i'm and i'm in a small market i'm not even in la at that point so uh uh you know it's so that that that's what kind of sparked an interest and then i also saw batman come out it made Broke all the records. Forty million dollars mm-hmm. opening weekend. That was a monumental uh, event in box office history. I know forty million sounds like nothing today, but uh, believe me, that was that was uh, an amazing event. Uh, but actually, it wasn't just Batman, though, mind you. It was a series of record breakers because prior to that, there was Ghostbusters two and uh, the the Indiana Jones movie. They all were huge uh, movies on the opening, and then.
1: The summer of 89, I I mean, I'll just jump in because that was, for me, and I think maybe then for all three of us, that was one of the big summers that got me into box office as well. Like you said, it was just such an amazing time for these big opening weekends that that is when I know I fell in love with the Monday morning box office score.
0: Ditto. Ditto here.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally. It it, did. That, that yeah, eighty nine was. You're right. It was such a turning point in terms of the box office, in terms of blockbusters, um, and so from then on, I just kind of watched you know the numbers as best I could, you know, and then from the newspapers, and uh, uh, you know, and then then oh, and then you learn about oh, there's uh, you know Entertainment Weekly. Uh, RIP, I think, but (laughs) maybe not at least in print
1: for all intensive purposes. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
2: And then they had maybe a little better listed there. And so we subscribed to that. And then, and then I go to college and then I discover, Oh wait, there's variety and Hollywood reporter and and they actually have bigger lists and there's more information. And then I started to just research and collect information. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anybody, didn't know anything, you know, had no connect connections in the industry. And so I just, uh, I decided, you know, it would be a good calling card to try out this, uh, internet thing and, and, uh, you know, start posting this, uh, information online, uh, such so as those, uh, user groups, those, uh, those news groups <laughs> and at first. And then on the, and then on the webs and then, and then I made a website. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I always, uh.
1: A lot. So it's it seems like every time you found a a list, and then you found a bigger list, the lists were just never big enough right. to satisfy your thirst for box office. You were you were always, and that that's the uh, one of the common links between all great inventors, innovators is that thirst for knowledge, that thirst for the unknowable. And it seems like that was a big thing in your story was the lists were just never long enough to satisfy your thirst.
2: Uh, Yeah, that's that's yeah, you're right. Uh, Yeah, it was never enough, (laughs) never enough. Because, you you know, it's not just the weekend. It's then it's the it's the daily. It's the all time. It's every every uh, possible stat there. And I also wanted to dispel the notion that there has to be a separation between. Uh, the numbers guys, and then the art guys. I mean, they, they, there's, there's uh, you know, I, I, when people say that nobody knows anything in Hollywood, I mean, this famous saying or famous notion that they're just throwing darts at the dartboard and hoping, hoping something sticks. I mean, a lot of that happens, but I never thought it had to be that way because if you look at the movies from an artistic point of view and then also from a popularity point of view, you can draw connections and you can see Where things are going, and uh, uh, and so I wanted to really emphasize the notion that it's not just a random thing whether a movie is a a success or a failure, and uh, you know, and I so I but yes, my my uh, my desire for data was insatiable, Uh, but I was also coming from more of an arts background. I have, I I mean, I did well in math in school and stuff, but I, I, I'm from the arts side myself, so. So I w- so I always wanted to marry the two art and commerce, and uh, that was the idea. And unfortunately, I never quite got to the uh, point of having all the stats that I wanted. As I said before, I mean, I really want mm-hmm. the attendance figures. It's not really tracked because all they care about is the money, and then that's if you're only focused on the money, that's easier to boast the new record. Even though a hundred million dollars today right. is not the same as a hundred million dollars when Spider Man. Cross that threshold, in it's opening weekend back in two thousand two. Right, but uh, nonetheless, you can they they can spin it in certain ways, and and that may be the problem moving forward. Moving forward, and if you thought it was never enough back then, it's really never enough right now when you factor in the uh, the streaming and and whatnot.
1: Um, but I mean that that's that's such a killer to us. You know, I, me and Clayton have said we never want to become the streamo boys, but. The lack of any transparency about those numbers is just, uh, it's it's frightening. Mm. And uh, it's it's something we're all going to have to figure out as we track box office. Because there's, there's going to have to become a tipping point where that is factored in in some way. Right. And well, I don't know.
0: The, the Billboard, if we're talking uh, an example of, say, like the Billboard Top 100 it now uses... Streams. They use YouTube streams. They use Spotify streams. They use even TikTok videos. Things like that are, are being added into the mix to see what the number one film, I mean, sorry, the number one song is. And I don't think we're far away from that happening here. And I don't know as a pure theater goer, theater lover, how how I feel about that. But I do think it is the future. Mm-hmm. And kind of inevitable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Right, but inevitable because the industry made it so, not because of necessarily the consumer. I mean, the creators create and then the consumers consume. But if the creators and the industry didn't make it this way, then the consumers wouldn't get into this habit. But now the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> you know, it's it's especially after right. over a year in quarantine uh, and not being able to go to the movie theaters, uh, that, that habit of going streaming, is 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 being embedded, uh? But uh, yeah. I moving forward, this is a great. The, oh, sorry, but moving forward, this is a great opportunity because I still think box office has a place if the theaters can stay open. Are they going to be able to make enough money to continue to operate and maybe improve the quality of their product? They were making great strides with the app and the uh, A list, and you know the subscription services. But are they going to be able to make the improvements they need to continue? And and it almost seems inevitable that there's going to be have to going to have to be a shrinkage of theaters of some kind, uh, you know, unless things change somehow. But uh, you know, it's, uh, but box office still is important to make a movie sticky in the culture. Okay, I can't think of a streamo-only movie that has had much cultural impact. They've all started in theaters. I mean, someone might say, "Oh, Trolls World Tour." Well, Trolls is a theatrical franchise. It was a sequel to a successful first movie, and people were expecting it at theaters. I mean, that's that's an exception. So, and it's not a streaming title. I'm talking about a streaming only phenomenon in the movie world. Uh, you know, it's, the streaming lends itself better to series. I mean, because then you you have a stickier effect, a binge effect that you don't get with the movies. Mm-hmm. So, the movie industry itself needs the box office as the engine that drives that train. I mean, it's always been the engine that drives the revenue train. But uh, but here, uh, it, it's it's uh, maybe not as... Maybe the big revenue train is driving, but it's the big cultural stickiness train. <laughs> Not the seats again, well, but the, in the culture, yeah.
1: Well, people respond to those numbers too. Mm-hmm. And again, like thinking back to... The glory time for box office and box office reporting. I feel like maybe, and you, you, you tell me what your peak was for covering it. But the '90s and the early 2000s, those that is a time, you know, a a a glory time when you would get these opening weekends for your Independence Days and your Jurassic Parks, and you like you said your Spider Man and people would see those numbers and it would let them know this is important I got to see this because it hit a huge number so what Brendan could you tell us about what is for you the glory time of running box office mojo you know like talk about the time when you were in the middle of it and you're getting all these numbers, and box office is a cultural phenomenon. And you really felt the most like this. I'm on to something here. This is this is what I'm. This is I, I'm. I, I've made it home. You know, like what? What to you was the the most glory time of the box office mojo run?
0: They use the term salad days, but these would be your popcorn days.
1: Ah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. When were you most covered in butter? Ooh.
0: Uh—
2: uh, the, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 yeah, we are basically talking about that first decade, you know, the, the night nine, 99 to, you know, 2009, you know, that kind of that, that range that, you know, when you're, it, it is so exciting to build, as you guys know, as the, as the, as with, with your podcast, it's so exciting to build something up and build it from nothing. I mean that is that is such a thrill, and 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 to see not just the box office numbers are reporting, but also your 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 traffic numbers <laughs> on mm-hmm. your website growing. Uh, you know, because at our peak, I mean, you know, it, it basically, Box Office Mojo was by far. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, you we're like the Google of box office. I mean, I, I'm not saying that to boast. I'm just saying it, it's a fact. I mean, no. I, every other box office site combined was the a, was a, you know. A drop in the bucket, <laughs> basically. Yeah. In terms of traffic. I mean, you're
1: you're underselling it uh, as far as we're concerned because that that was our bible. Oh, yeah.
2: You know, thank you. I, you know, I, I appreciate that. I mean, the, the the whole goal was was to bring you know the most data and but also give it the the perspective, the uh to organize it in a way that makes it easy to to see the data to uh, even explore it for yourself uh, you know maybe it's, you know just you know, it could be like a trap where you're constantly sorting or going through different genres and whatnot mm-hmm. I mean that was the, the idea and uh, you know with the the way the site is now it's it's a little bit different in the, <laughs> the layout so and some a lot of features are at least the features that I would use mostly are are kind of not there right now. Uh, uh, but it basically had the same design for 20 years, so, which is, it was due for a new design and, and, it, and it, and it needed an updated mobile site. Uh, that, that is, that is a, those are two things that it needed. Uh, but I was, I was amazed that the design lasted as long as it did and long after I left did the same, it was, but they, and they kept removing features too. So I I don't know what the traffic was in the recent years, but, but in my tenure, it, it, it did, it did, uh, blow up sometimes being one of the top 10 overall movie sites, not just the number one box office site. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, so that, that was very exciting, you know, especially just that, you know, because it is about, uh, The culture uh, and uh, the art of it, not just simply the numbers. So you are going, you know, people root for the movies they love, Uh, and and so some of that is riding on the coattails of that. Uh, You know, uh, I I, I basically started the site in nineteen ninety eight, and and then I finally landed on the name Box Office Mojo in summer of ninety nine, and that's uh, an obvious inspiration there. One that I am sometimes embarrassed. Well. Okay, I was trying out different names, and I was aware of the word mojo prior to this movie, but the spy who shagged me blew up. So I said, okay, I'm going to try out box office mojo for this. T- for a, I give it a t- trial run based on the success of Austin Powers here. And and then the name stuck.
1: Have you ever run into Mike Myers and shared this uh, this story with each other Ooh. that you've shared that, that you two were probably the, the, the two people most responsible for making Mojo part of the lexicon?
2: Oh, right. Well, I I, I think he's more far more responsible because I you know, I I drew inspiration from him.
1: And uh, uh, but in terms of web traffic. I think that box office mojo obviously far outpaced the Austin Powers studio created movie website. So yes. online, <laughs> you were the king of the mojo. You own mojo, yeah. Well, okay,
2: well, thank you. Yes, <laughs> That's all. I'll, 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 I'll take it. I, 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 I the term end, it ended up fitting because it is, it is, it's an older word. It's not necessarily a new slang word, and it, it means. Power it means magic. I mean, I, I wanted to have this sense of the box office, which is the data, and then the mojo represents kind of the art or the mo- the 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 motivation behind the numbers and and the uh, the the audiences, and uh, so that was that's why the two fit. It's you know box office, which is stats, and mojo, which is magic or art or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: It's it's indefinable, but you know when something has mojo. Right,
2: exactly, exactly. And yes, and certainly Austin Powers had mojo on that second movie. And uh and so that was that was the start. And then you know, you know and then you had the Lord of the Rings movies and then the the, the real breakout was Spider Man. you know, being 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 primed to cover Spider Man when that broke, that was that was when that was the first big step. I mean with traffic tripled on that first weekend of Spider Man, interesting. So yeah that that was uh, that was a big, a big turning point, and then we just
1: snowballed from there, and uh, uh, you know. So it, were were there other were there other movies like that, or or I guess like did did box office mojo traffic really spike when summer movie season started? Like were there periods of the year where you could be, where you had to be like, all right, we got to get ready because. You know, there's a Bond movie coming out or a Ben Stiller comedy or it's Memorial Day weekend. And we know this is when people log on.
2: It wasn't. I mean, it was more about the movies themselves. And this is why I always Mm -hmm. was trying to tell the reporters and everybody at the time that it is a product driven industry. It's a creator driven industry. If they make the movies, the people will come. And if you look at the lulls in the box office, it's more often than not because they didn't make the movies that people wanted to see. It's not so much about the weather or the season. Uh, but then you also see that reflected in the traffic for your website. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a superhero movie is going to bring much more interest than uh, than a romantic comedy, uh, for better or worse. <laughs> Some might say worse, but mm-hmm. but uh, that, that was kind of the... To, to, the trajectory it was dependent on the movies that were in the market, but there was always this baseline, and uh, of people interested and excited about the box office, even regardless if a fan favorite movie was in the theaters or not. And uh, you know, I and one of my curiosities about the current state of the box office is: is are we what are was what we is what we are seeing kind of that baseline of box office fans or movie fans, theatrical fans? That is that is letting nobody and even something like the unholy <laughs> hold up as well as they are because we have that baseline of people that just want to go to the movies right now, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 sometimes you think some of these movies like even like Chaos Walking, I mean, would that have done any better outside of a pandemic <laughs> than what it did here?
0: Uh, it, right. So you know, it, well, we thought that about that in like with New Mutants. Mm-hmm. New Mutants was the perfect pandemic movie. It had been on the shelf for years. We think, and I don't know what you think, Brandon, but that movie would have completely tanked if they would have put it in the theater any other time other than the pandemic. So that is a movie that was perfectly timed for a global disaster and did its optimal amount during that time. But I think that's that's definitely a thing where it's like, you know, there's this theory that people have put out that now – people go to see specific movies. They don't just go to the movies. And what is your thought on that? Because I think there's still the people, me and Pat included, that we say, let's go see a movie. Now, there's ones that we want to see. There's ones that we can't wait to see. But we're sitting here talking about our vaccination schedule and plotting out When are we going to go to the movies together? When are we going to see something? And it's whatever is that weekend, we will find something to see. That's us. But do you think that that has fundamentally changed or is that being oversold?
2: Uh, You know, I I, I, I think it's always been that way. I mean, studies before have said that the average person only sees maybe four movies a year. Uh, So, yeah, I think it is a case-by-case basis i mean if the the movies will bring the people in i mean even outside the pandemic it's just more extreme right now but we do like like us there is this baseline that still want to go to the movies and uh and and i think a lot of movies are benefiting from that from that fact right now um and i think the test will be with when we have a quiet place and cruella on memorial weekend and then fast 9 and and black widow and especially as capacities grow or uh, percentage capacities grow and 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 whatnot uh you know but right now it is tricky because i, I correct me if i'm wrong but you, you have to wear a mask in the movie theater right now
1: so so you do so I this is been back
2: by
1: the uh, way so i i've uh been back to a movie theater i'm uh now fully vaccin and waxed uh you know it was been now i'm three weeks past the second one so that's full vaccination full vaccination mm and i went on friday to see nobody in an amc theater went with a friend who's also vax and wax first movie together and the policy is this masks on unless you are eating and drinking mm-hmm. which basically is a policy of not masks because you just have a popcorn next to you you're 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 eating theoretically so mm-hmm. It is this weird, jumbled non-policy where they say masks on, but also they need to sell you food. And the food... You know, the movie theaters have not figured out another hole in which people could put food and drinks. And because of that, they got to let you take your mask off. So it is... It's it's confusing messaging. Like, I guess, Brandon, would have you... And obviously you just asked what is the policy what do you think of the messaging that theaters have done so far as they open up in the pandemic because i think that is a problem it's very to me it's been muddled
2: true true especially i I think especially if they're not enforcing it like i mean how how do they enforce Mm -hmm. it if someone walks in and it's like scanning the crowd you know when the when there's a bright spot in the movie <laughs> so right when there's enough refla- light reflected back onto the audience to see who's wearing and who's not and do they go up to people and say hey, put your mask on and then that person say well i'm still eating my popcorn <laughs> you know uh right so it, it, yeah that's the tricky part it's it, it just it doesn't seem practical and and even if even if you could wear your mask for two hours or three hours or whatever because the trailers take forever but even if you could wear your mask that long uh, would you want to? I mean, I think that is a bit of a deterrent. Uh, right. Because you don't have to wear a mask at home and you got that great home theater. <laughs> so, right. and right. I, I don't know about you, but when I wear a mask, it I get, you know, it's very hot and sweaty and, you know, it, it's just not a comfortable thing to wear for a long right. period of
1: time. <laughs> so, and throwing urine shorts and it's a leather seat, it's it's you know yeah. you, it's a disaster.
2: It, you're, yeah, exactly,
1: and you're wearing the leather mask,
0: it's sticking too. Yeah, yeah. Right. I
2: wish they came in something other than leather, you know. But anyway, right. Um, right. But uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that's a deterrent. I mean, uh, just going back to a little bit of a history, I think another sidetrack that I think the uh, industry got too far into was 3D. And I always said that 3D would not happen, or would not happen in the long term, so long as you had to wear glasses. And I think the mask is maybe a similar impediment. Now, if they had 3D where you didn't have mm. to wear the glasses, you know that would be uh, that that might be something. Until that technology comes around, uh, 3D isn't also ran. And 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 so that I think uh, if they weren't so focused on the 3D experience, then we would have had. Uh, Put that money into actually presenting a better, <laughs> a better movie. You know, at least upgrading your projectors and putting enough light through them.
0: Uh, but, and that made the movies even darker, exactly. right? I mean, when you said there's already an issue with the darkness, yep. uh, when I would put on those 3D glasses, I can't see anything. Exactly.
2: I mean, the only time the 3D worked was with Avatar, at least for me. And and also I have to wear glasses on top of glasses, uh, and, and so, uh, but uh, at the time, but the only time it kind of worked was with Avatar, but everything else not so much, and I think that was a total waste of time and money. And uh, uh, instead of focusing on the essentials of movie, you've got to get that fundamental right. The, the, you know, so that that's even with any product, whether it's a box office reporting site, <laughs> or or your movie theater, you get you get the fundamentals right, and then you, then you're golden. And then you can start to add on after you get that th- it's down. But you know, if I'm sitting in the movie theater and you still have one house light on in the corner, like all the house lights are off, but then there's this one here glaring in my eye, and there's still not enough light running through that projector, or or in the case of 3D, I paid I pay money to see Pikachu in 2D, but then they presented in 3D without the 3D glasses, and mm-hmm. and so the movie is starting. It's like wait, this is not it. And so i run right. running out in the AMC, calling them down, and then they then they say their solution: oh, free 3D movie. So they rolled out the 3D glasses, and say everybody 3D, and then not just me, but everybody said, no, we want 2D. <laughs> Nobody yep. wanted any right. of that. We paid for the 2D exactly, and and they were saying, oh, it's a free upgrade to 3D. But no, but but then the problem: the movie continues, but it's not just the dimness; it's framed for 3D. They frame it differently for 3D. So then I saw, So that's my first time seeing Pikachu was in this uh, 3d framing as opposed to the proper framing of the movie. I'm just very, I'm personally very particular about framing and, and well, anyway, it's a long story, but anyway, unfortunately it wasn't, it wasn't that good of a movie, but,
1: (laughs) but, but still, and the thing is they, to them, they're like, well, you got nowhere else to go. You're Mm. here already. Right. So put on your glasses, go sit down. You already bought the soda. You already bought the jujifruit. fruit, Right and 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 there's no other choice here and as we're seeing this year people unfortunately they have other choices and they're not choosing the movie theaters um so looking ahead a little bit you mentioned the big memorial day weekend this year the cruella and quiet place 2 opening weekend right and i i i agree and i think clayton you do too that that's going to be a big barometer as to whether things are getting maybe not fully back to normal, but closer. So I guess I'll pose this to both of, of of you guys. What are your, at this point in time, we're in the middle of April, what are your thoughts on how that weekend is going to do? And whether both or either of those movies are going to open to numbers that might be close to what they would have opened to in normal times like is that possible well
0: i mean looking at Quill is an interesting case because of course it's going to be available disney plus premium access thirty dollars so that is going to you know you wonder if that is going to cut into the box office but also I think it has it been rated yet? Is
1: it PG 13 or Carell is it PG 13? I mean, uh, oh, you know what? I, I mean, it's definitely not rated R. But. Yeah, it's
0: not. But but that's going to be interesting because if that is a rats get their cheese situation, people are going to be clamoring to get their kids out of the house and they are going to take them to Corell, which I think would be the situation even if it is PG 13. PG 13. It is
1: PG 13.
0: So that's, I think you're going to see kids at that movie. Mm hmm. I think the coarsening of society, PG-13, doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. I think and I think Emma Stone is going to be stepping up into a larger uh, platform. I think this is going to be her franchise. This is going to be a huge thing for her. I think that movie is going to do really well. Quiet Place 2 is interesting because the first one was very, very big. I wonder if there's much juice left in that. I think... I think that will be reliant a little bit on reviews, but I don't think we're going to see them being close to what they could do in a non-post-pandemic timeframe. Because if people are still getting vaccinated now, like for me, just to say, you know, Uh, That will be the first weekend I will be able to go to the theater because of the staggered two, you know, you got to get vaccinated, you got to get waxed, right? Right. And so that will be my first weekend. And there's still people that are going to be doing it after me. So I don't know if we're going to be full capacity when it comes to box office vaccinations.
1: So, Brandon, uh, as I toss to you for what you think about that weekend, a note is that. Quiet Place 1 opened in April 2018. Its opening weekend gross was $50 million. That was its opening weekend. So, you know, even let's go with the four-day Memorial Day weekend. Give it the whole weekend. Do we think there's any chance that Quiet Place 2 opens up in that range? Godzilla did have an opening... Four day weekend in what the forties, right, Clayton? Right, it was forty five. So, yeah. Do you think Quiet Place Two could actually open at fifty?
2: Whoa, um, it's uh, for the forty. I know,
1: put, putting you on the spot there. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I mean, certainly within the realm of possibility. I mean, horror sequels, horror sequels are tricky. Uh, you know, I and and then obviously you add on the fact that people were expecting this right when the pandemic hit so people were all raring up to to go to the see this movie and now it's been over a year later uh so that that that's a tricky question and that's why I think it will be a, a good first test uh so yeah 50 million is, is definitely possible i mean if kong can do it i mean certainly these whatever these creatures are called could could, could do it uh because the first quiet place is a well liked movie it's not like Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like a fad. I mean, people liked that movie, uh, and and it and it is a theatrical experience. Uh, yeah. So that's that's what it has going for it, and so and maybe that'll help it now more than it would have if there was no pandemic. Because when before when there was no pandemic, it was like, eh, you know, because when I see that trailer, that first scene, that prequel scene is very exciting, but then after that. I'm thinking, oh man, is this going to be like how The Walking Dead turned out? <laughs> you know, where it's the people, not the creatures or the zombies in that case. So, so right. that's the question mark with The Quiet Place Part Two. How much of it is actually a, a another you know great theatrical experience thriller versus uh, you know Walking Dead season two and beyond? You
0: know, <laughs> right, so, right. And, and now, do you think the the fact that it is a devast, it's about a devastating global event will put a bad taste in people's mouths. I mean, these. And obviously, we had a disease pandemic, not a bunch of sound ghouls killing people, but there is a level of, you know, things will, things are not the same. And do you think people will be turned off by that? Or do you think they can turn their brains off and they want to put the pandemic so far in the rear view that they'll compartmentalize that?
2: That's a good question. Uh, you know, one of the great, aspects of movie going is catharsis so i mean it could be a cathartic experience a, a, a universal release of tension <laughs> to see this picture uh, uh so uh you know uh uh yeah we'll, we'll see i mean uh it didn't hurt outbreak in 1995 <laughs> that's <laughs> the true Famous movie theater scene <laughs> but uh yeah uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, we're gonna, we'll soon find out, I mean, it's kind of, this is very hard to predict, because this has never happened before, so, uh, that's it makes it exciting, but yet unpredictable, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I would possibly bet on catharsis, I mean, again, provided, provided it's, it's the kinds of thrills that people got from the first Quiet Place, and with a new twist, and, uh, again, you know, people, You know, again, you gotta avoid the Walking Dead situation. i I cannot stress that enough. I
1: I I agree with you. It it they really need to sell this movie on the two things that people loved about the first one, which is everyone loved Emily Blunt. She was great in it. She's she's got a movie star quality for sure. And the sound ghouls. People love the sound ghouls. They don't want to necessarily see a movie about just Roving gangs being mean to each other. They want to see these sound goals. Th- that's Freddy, right? You know, and, and she's
0: gotta she's gotta step on two nails, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. I think that's a big thing. That was a huge scene. If you have her stepping on two nails, people are like, "I'm back here for the third Because how are they gonna do the third one? Right. And, right. and where's the third nail gonna go? And it can't be
2: the hand because ready or not already did that. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: So. so that's the thing. I, I think that's a big thing, but so it is, Brand- it's up in the air.
1: So Brandon, what are some of the movies that you're looking forward to seeing the opening weekend box office of, you know, not necessarily movies that we're looking forward to seeing, uh, from a entertainment standpoint, but from a, you know, man, Monday morning or Saturday afternoon tracking. I can't wait to see this number.
2: Whoa, I mean, uh, yeah, Quiet Place is definite because just because of the uniqueness of of such a major horror sequel. I mean, usually with horror, once you have that sensation, it's hard to repeat that scare in the sequel, and the sequels almost inevitably make less in horror. It's just a tricky genre, Uh, but sometimes they can open bigger. Like, I'm thinking, like, The Ring versus The Ring 2. Ring 2 had a much bigger opening, but obviously fizzled out very quickly, Uh, so... Mm -hmm. uh, so that i think that that uh, that's what i'm one of the big ones i'm looking forward to uh, and then in fast nine uh you know i'm not i'm not a fast fan per se i mean i saw the first movie i said wait i've already seen point break so what's the point of all this i know they transitioned into a heist family uh thing <laughs> but uh but uh, you know the the new trailer if people see it it's it's a i think it's a it's a pretty good trailer uh, so, but I think Fast Nine is also one of that one. It's a it's a, such an established franchise that that will also give us a sense of what the what the market is doing, how people feel about the movies, uh, and uh, and then 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 yeah, just, just just these big summer movies. I mean, it's just it's hard to, you know, part of it is the my release schedule that I used to maintain. Is not there anymore. Oh, it's all over the place. So I, I it's all over so the I'm place. Pl- now. I'm, I'm kind of in the dark here, like those uh yeah. those creatures in a quiet what? place.
1: So I think you hit on the big one. I mean, Fast Nine, that's the one that is gonna be our first chance at seeing a triple digit opening weekend. You know, and I think that is gonna be the type of thing where if we get to see that. I know I am going to feel a big sense of relief. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I I can't wait to see that first $100 million opening weekend again. And I think Fast 9 has a shot at it. It might still be a little early. It's opening late June. I don't know if the Vax and Wax number is going to be high enough to get you a $100 million opening weekend. But all I know is I just can't wait to see that number. That's going to make me feel a lot better about the state of our world.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't see F nine, Fast Saga, going over a hundred. Okay, domestic. I, 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 I want it to. Yeah, I want it to, but I don't. I just don't see it.
1: There, there, they are always international plays, but they have been opening over a hundred the last few movies.
0: Oh, absolutely. I just, I just think the thing is, it's, it's because of what we stated before. It's yeah. it's a little too early. It, well,
2: it, it, but it also has the other challenge because uh, I mean the franchise peaked with Fast Seven for uh, because of right. the late Paul Walker, uh, and and, uh, and then Fast Eight. I think Fast Eight still had the Rock, right? And then, and then they had Fast.
1: Hot- they had the Rock in a pretty minor way at that. He oh. was already foot out the door by eight. But yeah, he was still in it. And they're basically switching him out for John Cena in this one.
2: Right, right, right. He's, he's he plays more as a comedic actor to me, but <laughs> personally, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, I think I think that's a challenge when you don't have the Rock. You you have kind of a uh, diminishing returns here after the peak of the franchise. I mean, what's bringing people back? Let's say pandemic aside, what's bringing people to Fast Nine other than it's just another Fast and Furious movie? That's that's the question. And if they have a good answer for that, uh, their box office fortunes will be will will be strong.
0: Right. You know you know what I think. I do think the delay though, because there was that delay between six and seven. Now for unfortunate reasons. I think there is the pent up demand for this film, and I think the delay helped it. I do think that this movie will, at the end of the day, ha- have more people see it first weekend because there was that gap. Because uh, I- I'm feeling it. We're uh, we're we're fast fans. We're La Familia. It's like <laughs> church to us. We love it. Mm-hmm.
1: We're popping I Coronas
0: you you got to feel the pent up energy there and we are feeling it so i think a lot of the fans are feeling it so i do think that that will give it a bump but i agree with you brandon otherwise if this would have just come without the delay i do think it maybe is out of the last few the maybe the lowest opening weekend mm. yeah and just because i think it had a lot there's a there was going to be a lot of big movies this summer and it would have maybe had way more competition
1: Ooh. Well, I think for the fast movie, uh, if it does do what we're what I'm hoping it does and hit that hundred million, we all got to get on here and we all got to share a celebratory Corona because, you know, the the thing is, it, it's going to be a big moment when we start to see a hundred million dollar opening weekend again. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a sign of a, a a healthier box office and a healthier world. So, oh, uh, you know what that reminds Brandon, me. Brandon, Pat, go Clayton. I just
2: remembered. I just I saw the trailer, and they do have something new. They have magnets, like iPhone 12, baby, MagSafe, Fast and Furious.
0: I mean, people love magnets. There was that song years ago that the ICP, the Insane Clown Posse, did, mm-hmm. and it went viral because they asked the question: Magnets, how do they work? I'm paraphrasing. People are fascinated by magnets, and I do think that it will get a magnet bump. And that the older generation,
2: yeah. remember the song, Magnets and Steel. You are the magnet Yeah. I am. Anyway.
0: Walter Egan. Walter Egan.
1: Yeah. So, Brandon, uh, just going back a little bit to the box office mojo history, we talked about the inception of it talked about the glory days talked about the reasons that we all loved it could we talk a little bit about your exit from box office mojo why and uh you know not not obviously the, no regrets but um do you do you miss the rush of running the biggest most populated most viewed box office site in the world, but tell us why you left and then how you feel about it looking back.
2: Well, well, good question. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a, there, there are a number of factors involved there. Uh, but yeah, I, I I miss running it and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I I have regrets about it. I mean, I think we all do at, at times. So yeah, I do have regrets about how things shook out and, But, uh, you know, those are all my personal, my personal baggage, my personal cross to bear here, but, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it was an opportunity. I was hoping to take it to the next level. That was, that was the, the idea, you know, it didn't quite work out, uh, but you know, uh, that, you know, that's, that's, that's basically the essence of it. Uh, and, Mm -hmm. and after I left, I mean, I think the. What has happened to the site speaks for itself. So uh, it does. So I don't. I don't. Uh, so that. So you can kind of infer from that <laughs> what might have been going on <laughs> behind the scenes without without exposing uh, too much uh, inter- insider stuff. I'm sure you, you can see. Uh, you know, it was basically uh, an, uh, an attrition. You know, just over time. You know, feature by feature was removed. Uh, the whole notion was to. You know, it actually, was hard to keep the lights on i mean we had we've had outages in the past year a few few years uh and certainly uh when i was there anyway so the idea was to take it to the next level add more features got so many you know eh, the frustrating part is all the cool stuff we, we we wanted to do but uh so i guess that's the regret is not delivering to the people the the greater features that we wanted to do and uh, right uh so that's so that 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 was always my whole concept in terms of, uh, you know, treating the customer, which I think anyone who uses the site as a customer, uh, was to give them the best box office experience. And then, but never to take things away, just to keep adding things. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it, if, if people liked it, if it was a useful feature, keep it, don't take it away. Uh, and, uh, you know, some, you know, we had, yeah. And I, and I see a lot of things stripped here. That's why I'm also like, a little scattershot because I'm actually kind of looking at the site for the first time in a while or
1: here. Uh, oh, and, and the current version of box office mojo will break your brain. So it is, I, yeah. I can't imagine how you're trying to look at that site and podcast at the same time. It's, it's an amazing feat that you're pulling off. Oh, so <laughs> what you're saying is when you, uh, uh, you know, sold your stake in it or, 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 you know, sold it to a, another company, which was IMDB bought it for, at the time, right? That was the company you sold it to, or yes, was it yes Amazon? So at that time, you actually it wasn't a, a idea of just a cash out and run. You were looking to continue to work on the site and and use the sale to make it better. Is that is that what happened?
2: That was okay. I mean, there's okay. a lot, or is that the there's a lot that goes into that, but that was the main uh point of doing that because look it's imdb it's the biggest movie data at least at the time it was the biggest movie database think of the possibilities there you know with all that data you know right uh so yeah that so that was the uh that was one of the that was one of the factors and and i and also i love amazon uh even to this day i love amazon so mm-hmm. and just to be part under the Amazon umbrella was was it was an appealing idea as well right um uh but uh so yeah uh that that was the goal like i said i'm lost when you asked me about upcoming movies i we used to arrange the release schedule in a in a certain way so you could see clearly like what's the major release and whatnot i see that this other website now does that feature that we had <laughs> but
1: uh but they do not they do not update the schedule to to uh, uh in a very timely fashion i mean right. i know nowadays these moves are happening uh, in a fast and furious way right. but these current box office tracking sites it'll be days before it's reflected on their release schedules and we've we've had that issue because we've tried to do release news in real time as we're looking at something like the numbers and it's just not accurate
2: well that yeah that's unfortunate because you know what that, that's one of the other things when you're running a, a box office site it's like i I treated the numbers like uh, like uh, the buffalo. I wanted to use every part of the buffalo. Every no waste at all. And and something like a release schedule change was 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 data was something we could use. And so we were always quick, you know, oftentimes first to report that date change. And, you know, sometimes we do a story or at the very least we would get it on the latest updates which is no longer there, but anyway, but, but we would get that out there so people would know about the latest Date changes, you know, and and uh, yeah, it's very important. I mean, we, we we mined every bit of data we could. I mean, we used to have show times. I mean, that was also was one of the things we wanted to do, was to enhance the connection of the moviegoer with the theaters. And so, one mm-hmm. to that end, we were doing show times, and and we were using that show times to actually figure out how many screens the movies were playing on. So and the amount of show times. So if you went to the weekend chart, we had this wow, whole layout where you had. The uh, theater count, of course, but you also had the screen count, and then you had the showtime count—how many showings count. So, and we had the averages, right. so you could see. I mean, that. But this is this is—we figured it out based on the showtimes feed. So you had the showtimes feed on the site, so people could come to Box Office Mojo and see when their movie is playing and go to the movie theater. Uh, I mean, uh, but then also we were using that data on the other side. To, to tell you how many screens the movie was on.
1: Right. Because right now they basically tell you how many theaters it's in, but right. obviously an, an Avengers movie, uh, a theater is going to mean something different than a different, you know, a small movie that's only playing on one screen right. or once a day in that same theater.
2: Yeah. It was a so, fascinating stat and, and, and yeah, we wanted to continue more of that, but that uh, that's not there right now. So I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out what's left here. <laughs>
1: So, Brendan, are you, uh, you know, currently working on anything that is still related to the movie or box office industry? You know, have you, has your experience with Box Office Mojo, I mean, you're obviously still a super knowledgeable uh, analyst of Box Office and obviously still a movie fan, but what is your, you know, uh, work experience with the movie box office industry been since box office mojo
2: oh um well i i you know it's yeah this is the part where where, you know you you try to figure out what what to say here
1: um i kind of did and you don't you don't have to reveal anything that's gonna bring lawyers into the mix you know (laughs) we're we're not we're not trying to uh right to to, to bring in, uh, the ghost of Johnny Cochran onto the BO boys. Oh, so wait. Be...
2: right. Well, I mean, the main thing is, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in, in moving forward. What is the future of the reporting? Um, but just before I get there, there was some just unfinished or business. I mean, go for it. One, I think one of the points of tension is, at least with me in the industry, um, There was always this constant conflict because, as you know, as the state of things are today, they don't necessarily like having all the data out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we sometimes put out too much data. And uh, or one of the points of contention was that and this is a totally little thing. and It seems like a little thing and it should be a little thing. But I always tried to sift out the Thursday grosses from the opening weekends. Because okay. because I'm thinking of this not from a money side but from the fan side, the consumer side, the guy on the street side, the just the common sense side, and Thursday night is not the weekend. The weekend in America mm-hmm. is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I was I'm a was a total stickler on the data, <laughs> and that got me into a lot of trouble, and. Uh, because they
1: the studios want to goose that opening weekend number with those right. Thursday evening grosses, right? Yeah.
2: But I would sift it out and I would put it on the Thursday chart, Thursday daily chart, mm. and it would be part of the cumulative gross. And, uh, and it's fine if they want to do a Thursday thing, but just don't count it as the weekend. And uh, mm. you know, I think the Snakes on a Plane was one of the biggest uh, uh, snafus on that regard because that cost that movie the number one spot for a while. Versus, uh, I think Talladega Nights was the other movie um, that weekend. But uh, moving forward, you know, they think, well, whatever these people would have seen it anyway on the weekend. Well, they didn't see it on the weekend. They saw it on Thursday night. And uh, you know, it's just my, I just was, I guess, uh, I'm just a huge stickler for to be precise and accurate. And that's one of the Mm -hmm. the themes of the site. Uh, uh, So uh, it was accuracy and comprehensiveness and. Thursday is just not the weekend. All right. So, so, so that's one of the, no. th- so, so, so I,
1: and th- that's the type of, that's the type of fans perspective that is missing now from these cold corporate box office tracking sites that we're left with.
2: Yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, step away because also if i look at things i might want, eh, i want to do it <laughs> because you want to right. do it in a certain way you think it should be done this way and so if you get if you could get really a go down a dark hole <laughs> looking right. at every other report and say wait it should be done this way or let's do it this way but uh but I, I think i did burn a lot of bridges with that stance on the accuracy and comprehensiveness of the data and i think also uh you know, on a previous episode of Bo Boys, actually, uh, because I actually I discovered you guys looking for box office podcasts. Fun fact: I think we might have had the first box office podcast on Box Office Mojo. That was like in two thousand seven or two thousand eight or something like that. So we it was short lived, and we were in the pro, uh, we had a lot going on at the time, but. But, and I was actually thinking, wait, are those, are my old podcasts still on here? But no, they're gone. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that would, I think it, I guess it would, probably had to do with the database it was on. Uh, but, uh, but that's how I stumbled on you guys. At first I didn't click on yours because there were other box office boys or something's other, other podcasts with similar titles, but they were, okay. they were like dead podcasts. And so when I scanned it at first. I didn't notice you guys cuz I thought oh that was just that old one that hasn't updated in, in 5 years or whatever. Right. So, but then
1: Which is good for them that they haven't. Right, right. So, but then I
2: finally stumbled yeah. on your guys's and, and and I was and I was uh, really impressed with the with the insight and the humor and it's just a, uh, you know, you're doing it live, baby. It's it's it's, it's, it's really it's, it's 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 a raw feed. It's a raw feed and I and 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 I appreciated that. And and uh but I did catch one podcast though when somebody said that that I had worked for Exhibitor Relations. And so I just wanted to get the record straight here. I have never, ever worked for Exhibitor Relations.
1: Okay, <laughs> so, okay.
2: So uh, I I did apply for a job there once in the late 90s. I did not get the job. Uh, so, and then I just, uh, but I was had never access to their database. I took, I didn't, the data on that site is not from Exhibitor Relations. Uh, so that just a point of clarification Oh, uh, no,
1: thank you. We will no, put that in the, the record. Straight. Straight. Yeah, I just want to set that record Absolutely.
2: straight. I also think that yeah. might have also caused because I because that kind of I went down a hole in that a little bit too thinking about hmm is that do, does everyone think that I took from that side? <laughs> so so I, I so I made me think that maybe the person who ran exhibit relations back then might have had some issues because we were uh, surpassing them. Uh right and uh so but they are more embedded in the industry they're more of an industry person Mm -hmm. and uh i think they were spreading uh rumors to that effect but you know that's wow that's yeah wow yeah so that's that's yeah that's the past and and it's very weird because i've met the guy in person and he was perfectly nice to me and so it's kind of a classic example of of Hollywood, I guess, where they're nice to your face, but maybe not behind the scenes. <laughs>
0: so, right, right.
2: So I thought, right. wow, because I finally met him after all these years. I was like, whoa, yeah this guy's pretty cool. And and then and then, kind of, nothing happens. So, so I think there might have been a couple of things, just the yeah that that have been a stumbling block. But anyway, I, I, have, I have other things going on. So, but I am very excited hearing your podcast and then looking at the with the pandemic. I mean, just this. We have the opportunity, guys, to like really reshape this thing. I mean, look at, look at Netflix. I mean, it's an amazing company, and it's a disruptive company. But why mm-hmm. aren't they disrupting in terms of data? The disruption move
0: is to release the streams, man.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: We've been saying this. We said this about extraction, Chrissy Hemi. Yeah. Now, we wanted to know actual numbers i know they gave their number they gave all those but we need real data we need to know who's watching it for six minutes who's watching it for two hours who's watching it for a minute turning it off these are things that we want to know and i know we're not the streamo boys but it's if you're going to crown stars through streaming service movies we need data we just need data because otherwise it could be completely fabricated and people could be being propped up. Now I'm not going to say that anything bad about Chrissy Hemi, because we've had difficulties with, we don't want this podcast to be deleted before we can release it. Cause this is all gold. So I won't say anything more about Chrissy Hemi, but I think that's the kind of thing. Yeah. They need to release this data so we can all, all profit from it.
1: Well, Information is power. Well, Brandon, I think that, you know, this is a fateful meeting between yourself and, and the B.O. boys and i think we've all got similar interest which is taking box office reporting analyzing to the next level cuz it it it's it's gone backwards you know since uh since the the days of box office mojo it hasn't moved forward it's actually gone backwards and i think you know we might be the people who take it to that next level. So I'm excited that this happened. I'm excited that you were on today and that, you know, who knows what the future holds for finally giving people what they want on box office analyzation, numbers, reporting, giving it back to the moviegoers, the Joe Lunchpales, the numbers that they need.
2: Right, yeah. I mean, so much opportunity. I mean, just imagine, just imagine a master list Box office combined with streaming, combined with uh, yes. PVOD, whatever. We have a master list of the most popular movies of the moment, of all time. And uh, and then also the breakout lists. Uh, I mean, you know, embrace the future, disrupt yes. for the better.
0: Yes. And concessions. I love the concession idea. We've thrown it around, the concession idea. We need to know. What are the movies the gluttons are going to see? Yes. What yes. What are the movies that are really pushing the popcorn? I mean, that is, those are stats that we would love to see. And we've talked, and we don't want to keep it for very much longer, but it's so fascinating because you're such a fascinating individual. You've You've given so much to the box office and uh, uh, analysis that we... Um, I would lost my train of thought because I was praising you. Okay. Uh, I'm sure at some point I will come up with Pop it again. But,
1: well, uh, well let's, let's end this episode this way, which is to look quickly ahead at this upcoming weekend. The big movie coming out is a new Mortal Kombat movie. So this movie is another Warner Brothers release, which means that it opens on April 23rd, day and date in movie theaters and on HBO Max. So I'm going to throw out a number, and you guys can give me an over-under on it. You know, Tom and Jerry opened up opening weekend at $16.6 million. So that was a while ago. That was about maybe a month and a half ago, right? That was February, I think. Yeah, it was was over, yeah. So we have a lot more people vax and wax and ready to go to the movies now as opposed to then so let's do a 17 and a half million dollar over under where do we think mortal Kombat is gonna is it gonna come in on that is it gonna open over or under 17 and a half million dollars now keep in mind brandon they are gonna count thursday grosses in this number darn it they're gonna do it <laughs> oh, man. they're gonna do it um you know Maybe when we all take box office to the next level, we could correct that mistake. But right now, they're going to do it. So with that in mind, $17.5 million over under. I'll start with you, Clayton. Where are you at with this movie?
0: Well, for historical, just some historical uh, view here. In 1995, the original Mortal Kombat opened to $23 million. Okay. Now, that was at, I believe, the height of the Mortal Kombat popularity when right. everybody was playing that game. I think this movie is going to make over 17 because I think there is some excitement about it. The trailer actually did very well. It was the Red Band trailer. People were very excited about it. It was shared a lot. Now, tweets aren't tickets, as we always say. But I think when you're putting it at 17, 17 feels like a beatable number. So okay. I'm going to go above. Now, I I don't know if it reaches 20 here, but I do think it goes over 17.
1: So, Brandon, where do you think Mortal Kombat falls in its opening weekend? Do you think that there's... This has to be an, a little bit of a nostalgia play. People in in our demo, you know, who were mortal combat players as kids and teens in the 90s you know are we now going out to see this with a, a fondness in our heart
2: yeah that uh, i guess one regret i guess seeing how things played out is uh, i was never much of a video game person <laughs> i kind of stopped at the super nintendo i think <laughs> so I, I even missed the boat on so mortal focused Kombat. on box office and movies yeah and, and and tv i mean yeah 80s and 90s i saw everything basically <laughs> so uh but uh uh yeah that's so that's a that's a that's a tough one uh mortal Kombat. you know i, I did watch the trailer to prepare for this uh episode and uh i I assume that there are fan fa- fan moments, fan service moments in the trailer. I'm assuming, uh, and, uh, it looked, it looked okay. Uh, if people want to go out to the movies, I was surprised that the trailer didn't have that many views on the YouTube. It only had uh, like a few million views at that point. I was expecting mm-hmm. perhaps more views and, uh, but it's a tricky time. So, you know, huh uh, I'm gonna say, can I say even? I, I, that sounds about right, man. Even seventeen. I'm Do gonna you go think even. It lands at seventeen. Actually, that's very wow. non-committal I, of me. Actually, that is a very weak, weak, well, mo- weak, weak, weak assessment. But
1: order. it's it's a weak move, but it's a flattering move to me because basically you're saying I nailed it. I mean, so I I, I I'll take that. I think you could go seventeen and a half million I, because you're yeah. just saying that I I nailed it.
2: Wait a second, you you you're very close. You know what? Actually, I'm just remembering it's on HBO Max, so. It, it is. Shoot. I'm going to go under. Sorry. I got to go under. Going under. Yeah, I got to go under. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, Mortal Kombat and Sub-Zero
1: or whatever. <laughs> that, that, it is Sub-Zero. Okay. He is the big fan uh, favorite of the... Yeah. yeah so, I was, so even ignoring it, you could not know who these characters were. I, it seeped into your brain. Yeah, I've seen the character. I don't know their names,
2: but I know somebody said there right. was a verse, Sub-Zero versus somebody. I didn't see that. I guess the last scene is him versus this other guy that's yep. other supposed to be famous as well uh yeah i'm, I'm a total noob on this front, <laughs> on this front but the pandemic and the pandemic is really again we never before so we're all you know stabbing in the dark here but I, i'm gonna go under uh okay yeah
1: i i love it three three totally different takes that's what we like here well, Pat, what do you said? Did you tell us what you think? Well, I said 17.5 million. Oh, that- you think seventeen.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, there yeah. you
2: go. There you go.
0: Yeah. Now, how many of that seventeen million will be in quarters? Because I think there's gonna be people who <laughs> throw back. Right. They're gonna go to Mortal Kombat, they're gonna put down a sack of quarters. Cause that I bet you the amount of quarters they're spend on a movie, even if you go and see an IMAX, is gonna be less than a kid our age, spent at the arcade right, playing Mortal Kombat on a Saturday afternoon.
1: This could be actually a problem for the Mortal Kombat ticket buyer because they're going to show up with a sack of quarters. Counting them out. right now, movie theaters, for health reasons, they're not accepting paper money, coin money. Everything's got to be digital or card. So you might have to turn away some mortal Kombat uh potential ticket buyers if they show up with a sack of quarters
2: or any but you know what the phone screen repair services that business will go up as they try to put the quarter in the app they're going to be some yes, busted screens. yes
0: so that right in the bottom there
2: yeah
1: yeah oh they're gonna they're gonna shove them into the charging uh uh opening <laughs> yeah the amc that Wedge a quarter in there
2: yeah why isn't this working <laughs> oh
1: it's gonna be i mean listen There's a lot we're going to learn next Monday morning when these numbers come in from Mortal Kombat and these numbers come in from the Apple store. And you know the Genius Bar Ooh. and the Geek Squad, and we see how many people shove quarters into their phones. Does Genius Bar outgrow Mortal combat that. That's the question. <laughs> that is a great question. These are the stats that we need. Yes. <laughs> yeah. See,
0: this is the thing. These are the stats that we need. Yeah, we're just coming we up need. with so
1: many great columns on uh, on the next evolution of box office. It's it's going to be great. Yeah. So, Brandon, thank you so much. For being an honorary B.O. boy. You're an honorary B.O. boy today, and for life, we're hoping to have you on again. You know, the door is always open for you to come in and talk box office. This was so great. It's wide open. Absolutely.
2: Well, the, well the, thank you, Pat. Thank you, Clayton. It's it's been a pleasure and uh a nice release. I haven't been speaking much lately, so so mm-hmm. I'm a bit uh uh, you know, uh if I'm probably a bit effusive here, but uh yeah, yeah, it's uh it's it's great to be on and uh yeah, I just uh, I enjoy listening to your show every week. So 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 thank you. Thank you for the invite.
1: Cool. Thank, thank you. you so much.
0: It, yeah. And you've so, brought in you brought us years and years and years of joy. I can't tell you how many lonely nights in college I spent on box office mojo just looking at movies and looking at grosses and it got me through some times and I think a lot of box office fans and aficionados, the boys, the girls, the people would say the same thing, Brendan.
2: Oh, Thank you, Clayton.
1: So, everybody, you could email us at theboboyspodcast at gmail.com Let us know your predictions on Mortal Kombat. Let us know if you plan on shoving a quarter into your phone when you go to see the movie this weekend. And let us know some of your favorite memories of using Box Office Mojo over the years because, I mean, if there's ever been an overlap, it's the Fans of uh, Box Office Mojo and the Wannabeo Boys, Wannabeo Girls, Wannabeo People. That is that is a huge uh, Venn diagram there. So let us know your Box Office Mojo memories at the BO Boys Podcast at gmail.com.
0: Wow. We really did it, Pat. I, I think we really, really did it. So there's nothing it. left to say
1: until next until time. Until next
0: time. We'll. we'll... Smell Smell you you at at the the box box office. office. Nailed it. Nailed it.